Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Jeff Clossy. Hey, Jay. How's it going, man? It's going great, man. It's going great. Good to be with you. It's very it's very fallish outside. Oh, my word. It's gotten so chilly, <laughs> and I love it. I do, too. My body, I have to, I'm not going to lie, yesterday, uh, it was my day off, and I could not get warm the whole day. I ended up wearing, like, a flannel, a fleece, and a jacket, like, all day. You know, we... <laughs> Takes some adjusting. We had this uh, debate at home. Well, first of all, I asked Siri this morning what the high, what the temperature is going to be today, and it was pretty awesome. I wish I had had a camera on my wife, because uh, she thought I was asking her, first of all, and she said, I don't know. But then Siri started answering, and she's like, the high today is 48 degrees. And Lauren's face just went, like, she yeah. was not expecting that. And then also, so we had this debate over, what do you set your thermostat? Like, when do you turn the heat on, and what do you set the thermostat at in the fall? That's a great question. Because We've been fighting that, too. I waited too long winter. to turn it on, I'm not going to lie. Did you? My kids were like, could we? I'm like, yeah, we can. It's, it's getting pretty cold in here. It did. Like over one night, we did not have it on, and, and it was pretty chilly the next morning. My theory has always, though, been in the fall that it usually still warms up enough outside. It's not like in the winter. In the winter, if whatever you have it set at, that's what it's going to be. You're not getting any help from the outside. No. But I was still picturing fall like, well, there'll be some sun. It'll it'll warm up. Um, you know, like when we lived in Colorado, that was the deal. You don't You don't turn – you don't actually keep your thermostat up very high – because once the sun comes out, it heats it up. And so you you end up spending energy that you don't need to spend. Like the sun is going to do it. You know, as long as you're it's warm enough to sleep, that's good. But here, I thought, well, that's the way it is in the fall. But that has not been the case. No. And so, so what did you set it at? I just like, said, actually, yeah, last, night, last night I finally went back to our, okay, just run the program. Whatever the, oh. you know, certain times. Yeah, yeah. So this morning it, it warmed it up and now it's turned it turned itself way down. During so the day. when you're there at the house, yeah, I think this morning it was seventy. Seventy. Yeah, I do that for like the first hour because I'm waking up and then it turns itself down. It's amazing. To what though? I like think what's 64, 60, like pretty low. So then during the day today, I it probably won't even kick on all huh. day. Okay. Yeah. What are you? Oh well, I start. We start. I told Lauren we could turn it on and set it at sixty. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, did it run? Um, yeah, <laughs> I think I'm my house probably very... was the coldest it would have gotten with like 61 or something. Well, yeah. Cause she, well, when she went to go turn it on, when she went to go set it, she goes, she's like, it says 61 right now. And I was like, yeah, right now it's fine. And so, but then today or yesterday, I think last night I said, if you like, I don't know, I'm fine. And it's not like she can turn it up if she wants to. I just was saying I I would turn it down. She said, and she said, your dad will never come visit us again if we. I was like, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, we're it, already too low. I, I mean, well, yeah, we are. Sixty four is like kind of sixty four, sixty five is typically in the winter where we where we are. Yeah, I think that we probably are a lot too. We had to get a new furnace two years ago, and now I feel like we're we're Mister Efficient. So it, the thing the thing is just does a lot better with with getting us yeah. to the place where it needs to get and then keeping it there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I actually just checked. So my iPhone says that today's high is eight degrees below the average high for today. So we are definitely crazy? quite a bit cooler. It's like two weeks ago, it was 80s. Yeah, exactly. So I love that. I, Hopefully we'll have some 60 degree days yet. I'm really hoping for that. I, I think we will. I, I yeah. Well, my if I had my druthers, we would set our thermostat at about 58. 
Yeah. And, just bundle uh, up. When I suggest, yeah, I'm like, wear I'm clothes. I'm wearing the wool socks right now already. Yeah, wear so clothes. Good. And, uh, you know, when I, when I utter that, Lauren typically looks at me and says, tame your tongue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you segued there. See what I did to there? James 3. James 3. Ever since someone criticized my transitions, I am pulling out all the stops. That right was now. a bit of like a rudder there that turned yeah. us in a different oh, direction. I did, I did. Oh, Jeff, that would have been better. Well, I, I almost want to re-record that's why that, there's but we're two real. Of us. <laughs> we are honest. We are real. Like this is all in there. Are we but... live on YouTube right now? Can people see us? Uh, sure. No, they can't. Yeah. They can't. The Don't worry. You're footage. not missing anything out. I, man, Someday. I just feel like I missed such an opportunity. I, I'm so mad at myself that I did not say, hey, let me steer this like a rudder, steer this in a different direction. Uh, all right. Well, you live and learn. The power you know? of such a small member. You just, it's you amazing. Just, you just live and learn. All right. So taming the tongue. That was a fun one this week. I mean, but like intense, but I don't know, like in my lifetime, the last few years, especially I have felt like this is such an issue for both myself and then just in the world in general. Yeah. And and including the church, like I'm including the church in there that this is a very timely topic for all of us to think about. Yeah. But man, he does not, James is not... uh, he doesn't ease into it in this passage. No, I think, but it's dangerous to like guess what his emotions were. What's clear in the text is that he wants to convince the readers that this is actually a really big deal. This is not like, you know, a, a hey, once you've done all the big things, now let's try to, let's try to clean up your speech. Like, just be careful of what you say which sometimes we act a little flippantly about that. And he's saying, no, this is actually, this is where a lot of destruction happens. And and it's critical that you get this under control. And oh, by the way, you can't get it under control. It is only from God that that can happen. I, I just, I appreciated that. And any time that we're able to address that and say, hey, listen, um, and I, I don't, I mean, I just feel like I missed a lot of opportunities, honestly, like mm. full disclosure, I felt like I missed a lot of opportunities and missed also some simpler ways of saying things. So I'm thankful well, for here, the podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, here we go. Yeah, this is, you know, this is how, so one of the things that I think I missed an opportunity of saying is, and, I, and I, I alluded to it a little bit, but I was just being careful. But there's a, there is, um, there's even a name for it in the church world, and that's parking lot meetings. So I don't know if you ever heard. Have no, you heard that parking no. lot meetings? Oh, Flesh man. that out. Oh, well, I, I first learned it when I was young and in ministry, and people talk like, oh, yeah, the parking lot meeting. And so it's the meeting after the meeting. So that, yeah. you, know, you have these like, you know, a deacon meeting or an elder meeting or a committee meeting. And so people say what they say in that meeting, but then they say what they really want to say out in the parking lot. <laughs> standing you know, next to their standing cars. Standing next to their cars, right. <laughs> And we just take that so for granted and think of it as like no big deal. But what's really interesting is it's in those meetings, those parking lot meetings that some pretty, sometimes pretty heavy accusations come out, some pretty heavy concerns come out. And it's actually, it the enemy loves that because that's not an environment where like if you had brought it up in the meeting with everyone else and just said, hey, I'm concerned about this thing, you could have actually there could have been progress and it could have been a healthy situation. But instead we think that it's more godly to just bite our tongue and not say that, not realizing it's going to come out. It's going to come out later. 
And I just, I find that a lot, a, a lot of times when people end up doing that, they don't, there is a way that people do that to be intentionally destructive. So don't get me wrong. Like, yes. There are wolves, there are manipulative sheep who are doing, they're intentionally holding on to that to cause greater disunity. And so I just want to give people a warning of that, like caution that that does happen. There are people who do that. I think most of the time people end up falling into it because they don't, they, they think that they shouldn't, like, for example, you think something shouldn't be a big deal. So you feel something, you feel upset about something. And then you feel like, ah, that's, but it's not that big of a deal. And so then it comes out as a passive aggressive comment. Yeah, like just leaks in some way. It just leaks right? in some way. It leaks in a conversation with somebody else about like, well, you know, this they actually did this. And, you know, yeah, I wondered if they were, you know, that was really their intent. And then it just comes out. And it's poisonous, you know, and it's it's destructive. But we kind of fall into it because we're not intentional in our interactions with people. We're not honest, I think, all the time about saying, hey, we don't know how to confront one another and... um you know, for example, we don't know how to say to somebody, I feel upset about this or I feel hurt by this, and I don't even know if I should. You know, like if you have close, you know, relationships where you can honestly process that, or you honestly process it with another friend where you say, in a healthy way, where you say, I don't know if I'm, if I should be upset about this with a friend who might say to you, you know what, that actually isn't a big deal. You need to you need to let that go. Or they say, actually, that sounds like that's something you should bring to that person. You know, like there's all these healthy ways, but it's yes. because we don't do the healthy thing. We often fall into the unhealthy because we don't really know what else to do with it. So that's a big thing that I wish I would have um, addressed a little bit of saying that that these like kind of side meetings or whatever are actually a, a symptom of not dealing with something in a healthy way and what would it look like to just be direct with somebody like somebody's late for a meeting and it and it bummed you out because you rushed to get to that place and then they show up 15 minutes late and don't even acknowledge it it's okay to say to that person like hey i just i just want to get this out there and clear it like it's i just want to let you know i would appreciate it if you'd let me know you know mm. like if you knew you're going to be late or when you realized you're running late it would be, it it would be really, um, it'd be great if you could just let me know that and give the person the space to say, Hey, I'm sorry about that. I should have let you know. And then you're like, yeah, I forgive you and go on with your meeting. Right. But instead what happens is you hold on to it. They might give a half-hearted apology like, Hey, sorry, I'm late. And then we often very quickly say, ah, no big deal. It's no big deal, but it is, and mm -hmm. it, but we don't want it to be. And so then it just kind of stirs you know stews in our heart and then it just kind of comes out in all these other little you know you know what i mean like I, that's, yeah you know. it makes me wonder this is i'm literally thinking out loud i don't have an answer formed but it makes me wonder how that same dynamic plays out in our connection with jesus yeah so like that's interesting yeah you know like the like kind of a like you mentioned a half-hearted acknowledgement of a wrong mm -hmm. in and and some people are just less aware of certain, you know, that's just all of it. We have blind spots, but it makes me wonder if we're doing that with each other. Are we doing that with him? You know, like, I, I don't know if there's necessarily a one-to-one -one connection there, but... Flesh that out a little bit. Well, 
like, so say I go to him and I say, you know, Lord, I was unfaithful in this. Like, I did not do what you called me to do. Do we imagine that he just kind of goes, shrugs and moves on? Or do we think he actually like looks at us, listens to us, and then responds with loving care for, for that need and wants to actually like get in that with us? Not just, let's just move on because it's too uncomfortable or whatever the thing. Um, I really do think he wants to slow down, right? And he wants to process with us what's going on in that moment Mm -hmm. because he wants what's good for us, right? It's not just like dismissive. It's, so you weren't faithful there. What's going on? Like, and he wants us to interact with him that way, right? Um, I think that sometimes we can just want to move forward. And I think it is good to move forward. Like you painted a picture there of like, reconciliation that allows you to then move forward without, you know, without something holding you down. Right. But I don't know what, does anything come to mind there? Like how that relates to the way we relate to God? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, that's a really good point. So one thing that I'm, one area of my mind went to, which is, I don't think was what you were getting at. Um, but it's a, it's an offshoot of it is like when we kind of do a partial confession of things. Mm -hmm. So if, if I'm upset about a day, like I think we're we're often very quickly to say, I'm not upset with God, for example, um, because I know I'm not supposed to be. Hmm. And so sometimes that can kind of fester, right? And so rather than just saying, God, I, I know you're good, but right now and today, like this just feels like one thing after another. And I gotta be honest, like I'm struggling. Like just that honest confession of, I don't, and, and it's an honest confession to say, I don't want this to fester in my heart. I want to flood this with light and I want to acknowledge this tinge of like, there's a part of me right now that's resentful mm-hmm. um, or there's a part of me that's worried or there's a part of me that's scared or there's a part of me that's angry and confessing that to say, I don't, I don't want that. So I think that's part of it is when, like when we, when we so quickly gloss over with other people and then we often don't we're not honest with God. And, um, and then I think along with that partial confession in the sense of we don't acknowledge the unbelief that's actually there. So it's kind of like a half apology, kind of like if you're late and you're just like, Hey man, sorry, I'm late. You know, you know how it is. Well, no, they don't know probably how it is. Um, like an honest apology, it leads to a healthier reconciliation. And similarly, uh, an honest, full confession leads to receiving the fullness of grace. So the fullness of grace is offered to us. It's not conditional on how good our confession is, but I think how we receive that grace and the peace and the joy that that produces in us is directly connected. Yeah, our experience of that. Right, the experience of the grace. Because it's like the, we use, we've we used this phrase, I think I don't know if it was Tim Keller or who, somebody, um, one time it said like, you know, small sin, small gospel, big mm. sin, big gospel, which the idea that if, if I confess sin to God, but I qualify it with all these things, trying to minimize the offense and, um, then, then the fact that God forgives me isn't actually, doesn't feel like that big of a deal. But if I'm honest about, well, actually this worry that I'm experiencing is, is unbelief that you have this. And, and that unbelief leads me into all kinds of evil 
because I try to control things. I try to control my circumstances. I stress out about this. It affects my relationships. Like, and confessing that fully, then I'm able to receive like, oh, and God, and you forgive me and you gently remind me that you understand, but that I don't have to be this way. So, the, you know, so that, that idea, that full, which that's interpersonal too. Like we all know that what we all have experiences of either receiving a partial apology or giving a partial apology with a lot of qualifiers that then makes it feel like it almost like if you've ever had someone apologize to you in a way where you feel like a jerk for not saying like they actually, they kind of like corner you into saying like, Oh yeah, no big deal. Well, that's not really, that doesn't feel very good, right? Like it doesn't feel like reconciliation. And yet at the same time, we have all had the experience of, a genuine apology to somebody where you feel the fullness of like how you've wronged somebody and then to have them graciously forgive you is so freeing. Like that's such, that's such a spiritual high, honestly, to, to experience that. And you don't experience that if you qualify everything along the way. So that was one that I was thinking. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You really missed that on Sunday in the the sermon. That would have been good. (laughs) What? <laughs> what was that for? I'm just loving you right now. Oh the gosh. way you love. Oh, uh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I missed I missed that. That's why we have this. Yeah. I think I think the simple thing that I wish I would have just pointed out is just think about how much better our relationships would be both with one another and with God if we were simply direct, honest, and humble. Hmm. And you know, and, and actually sought reconciliation. That's another thing. Like the tongue gets us in trouble when we're not looking for, uh, that was probably another point I wish I would have um, pointed out was that wisdom from God, like seeks reconciliation, seeks, you know, a, a positive resolution. Most of the time when we're gossiping or slandering or whatever, we have no interest in a solution. Like we just, we want to air the grievance, but we don't actually want there to be reconciliation. We don't want to give people an opportunity to make it right because we want to hold on to the. Yeah. It's interesting. If you, if you contrast like a a will and a desire for some sort of harm versus a will or a desire Mm -hmm. for some good, it's hard to imagine, you know, that kind of conversation actually seeking the good of someone. It's meant to harm them in some way, whether it's reputationally or just like to take them down. Mm Mm-hmm. Even if it's not meant to like destroy their life, it's still kind of a biting at their ankles rather than a like lifting them up um, in love. And they come from very different places. Yeah. You know, this, that spirit is so different. And we hold on or, you know, it can be aimed at destroying them or or benefiting myself in a fleshly way. You know, like I did talk about of like being the one to share news, being the one to um, to look better and. And the other one is to hold on to, like, I see this too, like the economy of like, if I give this up, if I actually forgive you for this and move past this, then I no longer can bring it up in that same way. And I like, and so we often give people like a partial forgiveness where we still hold on to it mm-hmm. just in case we need it, you know, for like an insurance policy that I can always bring it back out, you know? And that's when I think of Paul saying, love keeps no record of wrongs. Um, that's not to say, you know, look, there's a whole other way that you could take that. And a person who's like genuinely saying, okay, does that mean it's always a clean slate? So if a person, 
you know, has broken trust and, and, and has demonstrated that they are untrustworthy. Do I have to keep trusting them the same way? No, that's not, that's not the same thing. It's a whole different conversation for a whole different podcast. What we're talking about is the motivations of, of just how, how we convince ourselves that these things that we say aren't really that big of a deal. They're not like, we don't uncover our motivations because ultimately here's the thing. It's ugly. Mm-hmm. Like I gotta be honest that the uncovering in my own heart and seeing gossip and slander, passive aggressive, critical, harsh words, it reveals the ugliest and darkest parts of our hearts And it's been like, it's hard to confront that and face that. And I think that's why James is, is wanting to make sure you understand this is why it's so important because he actually caused just huge devastation. And the sad thing is that most people who struggle with gossip don't think they do. Most people who are passive aggressive don't think they are. Most people who are harsh and critical don't think they are like, that's the, and that's another thing I wish I would have pointed out is like, it's, it's really hard to see and you have to be willing to listen and to hear somebody out to realize, Oh, when I say that, and I think it's a joke, it's actually harmful to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to preserve my own pride, my own ego by insisting that it's a joke and insisting that the problem is you can't take a joke, not that I'm being harmful. Right. Um, the issues of like harsh or critical, well, I just, I just like things to be done right. And I want, you know, like not realizing, well, actually you're being really critical and, and being really self-serving in that. And, and you thinking like, well, the problem, no, the problem is you're doing things wrong. If you didn't do things wrong, then I wouldn't have to be critical. And so like we twist these things in so many ways. Well, it's interesting how those words, they're, they're cutting and negative and very few people, very few adults will correct or change behavior because they're getting negative, like at least, at least permanently, right? If they get negative feedback like that, biting feedback, um, they might change in that moment because they don't want to hear that from you again, but that's not going to motivate them towards like, like encouragement would, those are discouragement and encouragement are so different. Right. And the encouragement, I think it comes from the, like the word itself comes from like adding strength to a person Mm -hmm. to encourage and discouragement is to steal strength away from the person. And it actually does that. If you feel it, you know, when a person does that to you, one is actually adding strength to your life and to your call. And one is just ripping it away from you. I remember early on and when we were serving with the navigators, one of my mentors, he encouraged me, he gave me this phrase, which I've kept and I like. Um, he said, we really need to taste our words. Um, meaning what, what does that word I just said to you taste like to you? Like, is it sweet and helpful? Kind of makes you think of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Like salty and life-giving. And I, I think one of the reasons that we're not aware sometimes when we do those things, like you made that comment that a lot of people don't realize it, is we don't slow down enough to think, how would my words affect the person? Like, not just how would they change the circumstance that's annoying me or something or agitating me, but how would they affect the person if you, if they would sit in those words? And sometimes we really don't realize it. Like, we just need someone to tell us, like, when you say that, it makes me feel this. But often I think if we slow down 
and reflect upon the words we choose, we know, we know, and God shows us like that. That word was not helpful. That actually just tore someone down and it's meant to hurt and harm and not meant to build up. Um, I'm just trying to think of the reasons, Jay, why we, we can be so blind to that. Like why we is can there, miss it. Yeah, I know. Is there a, is there a better answer than the fact that we just we just don't want we don't want to be seen as sinners. Like we don't we don't it's pride, you know, like we it's so common that we we want to believe at some level that we are worthy like yeah, I know I need help from Jesus cuz everybody does. But we're just slow to acknowledge just our depravity, you know, and our and our weakness. And but really what that ends up revealing is we're slow to believe the benefit and the treasure that's offered to being humble and just laid bare before the Lord. Like we're just basically saying that, well, it's only painful. It's like just having something removed in a surgery rather than something being like made new, you know, and, and, and a, hmm. a new gift. It's more just like, yeah, I know I should get better at that. I wish I didn't have that hanging on and not realizing that in the confession of those things and in that there's a resurrection of that. And it's like inversely proportionate to the pain that's being caused. Like you can actually cause joy. So like you said, encouraging, that's great. Like the encouraging, discouraging, because I just thought about it of, um, you know, there are other examples that I didn't give on Sunday of these types of words, like where I said passive aggressive and harsh and critical, but I also had on, on the list grumbling and complaining. So just think about that. Like there's some of us struggle with like we just have to say something negative about the situation. There just has to be something in there. Um, either because for like a million different reasons why some of it is just habitual and we just don't even realize you're doing it. Um, but it's so deflating, mm-hmm. right? Like when someone's excited about something and, you know, and then somebody has to say, well, you know, that's going to cost you in the long run or like, well, yeah, it's great till it breaks. Or like when the weather, you say like, what a great day it is. Like, well, it's not going to last long. Yep. That's grumbling and complaining, complaining, and it's deflating, right? It's, it's actually an affront to God because he's giving you this gift of the beautiful, this beautiful day. And you're responding with stinginess in your heart rather than just receiving this gift. You're responding with an idea of, well, yeah, you're good to me. It's essentially like saying, like when we complain about a beautiful day and say, well, it's not going to, we better enjoy it because it's not going to last long. You're essentially saying to God, I know you're not really good. You did this one good thing today, but I know it's not going to last. So I better take it. I better take it while you're in a good mood. Kind of like the, you know, if you have a boss that like is in a good mood on like one day and you figure like, I better ask for vacation time because he's in a good mood. That's what we're projecting onto God. It's actually really dark and gross and it's discouraging to people, you know, around us. Um, I thought about a backhanded compliment Hmm. because a lot of us aren't good at receiving encouragement or giving it. And so we feel like we have to qualify it. Um, you know, there's a lot of funny things people have said to me over the years that are like that, you know, fit in this. And I, I, I thought about some of those, but I didn't want to share them because the last thing I'd want to do is make somebody who has said that feel like, Oh gosh, I did, I did that. But backhanded compliments are kind of a way of like, well, I, 
I've got to keep you in check. Like, I want to say this thing to you, but I want to keep it, you know, like, I don't want you to get, you know, a big ego or whatever. Can't build so, you up too much. Can't build you up too much. <laughs> right. And, and you realize like, that's actually, not only is it discouraging, but it's kind of embarrassing to receive a backhanded compliment because you feel like you're getting set up and then you're getting knocked down a little mm-hmm. bit. And there've been times where I'm like, just leave me where I was like, don't like, I'll make up one. So this is not one that somebody has said to me there, but like names have been know, changed. Names have changed the situation. <laughs> but like, if somebody's like, Hey, um, man, I really enjoyed this sermon. Like normally I don't have any idea what you're talking about, but, um, but <laughs> like this one, I really understood this one. That's a backhanded compliment, you know, like, or man, I really enjoyed this meal. Like I'm surprised. Like, well, that's a backhanded compliment and it's deflating. It's discouraging. It's actually kind of like a little bit of a sucker punch. Um, like I said, with passive aggressive, it's, it's, it's a sucker punch. It's not a direct thing. It's, it's, it's something that you're, you're trying to slip in this jab for whatever reason. Well, this is the, so that first one, I think is a really good illustration of how we can really miss it. So it's interesting. So can you say the first one again that you get, like, I really, I really understood. Is that what you said? I understood. I said like, I really, yeah, I really like this sermon. Normally I don't understand. Like I don't, I can't pay attention, but today I really, I really was able to pay attention. So that's, to me, that's so interesting how depending on um, what the, the object of the comment is, it changes what it tastes like and sounds like. So if the, so like, and that's what I'm just going to, I'm going to give it as an example of a way that we can try to get outside of ourselves. So that person um, so giving them the benefit of the doubt in this made up situation, uh, they may be honestly just super excited because they feel deficient because week mm-hmm. after week they hear you preach and they never understand it. And they're like, oh my word, finally I do. Mm-hmm. I can't believe this. But what they don't realize by saying it is that if you make you the object, like you're the, you're the com- what the comment is about then it can sound like actually you're deficient week after week. Mm. And now this week you were on. And it's, it's the perspective of that, of that line changes the meaning. Do you see that? Like totally. And, so and I, that all comes from the heart. It right? does. It does. So it's where like, are our eyes? Yeah. And, and anytime it's like when communication, you talk about that of like how communication is a two way street, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I think like that, if there's a miscommunication is the assumption that I misunderstood or that I'm struggling with this. And if so, then I can be really excited of like, man, I, I got that. And then that could come off in a couple of ways. One way I was thinking about it is from a heart that says I'm the deficient one, but man, I figured like, I figured this out from that heart. You might say something like when you, when you use the story that really connected it for for me. Yep. You know, or, or you did this kind of introduction and that really, that really helped me, you know, that that's a positive way of expressing this was really helpful as opposed to, like you said, if, if I think you're the problem, um, then, then it's going to be about like, normally you don't do this thing, but now you did this thing. And so that's, that's all I needed. Like, cause the problem was you all along. <laughs> That's, and that's, but that comes from a heart. So that's the point of, it doesn't matter how many coping skills we give you. Like I could tell somebody, Hey, when you deliver that kind, say it like this, Mm -hmm. not like that. If your heart is, you're the problem, Mm -hmm. it's going to come out one way or another, it's going to come out. And if you're, if your heart is, um, like I'm 
thinking of serving you and let, then then that'll come out even if it's an awkward statement mm-hmm. it's it's amazing to me too how you know this sermon made me think of we all i don't know at least in my i shouldn't say we all in my life i have moments that words affected me negatively in pretty profound ways and probably i i would guess it's safe to say most people have those moments and then those are big things like big if i were to draw out my life like this moment happened and this person said this and that was really hard um but then we have like the kind of like day-to-day week-to-week ones yeah. that they don't stick with us but they have they they make up a negative like buzz or whatever they're just drone um and it's interesting how it can actually start to affect even your internal, like what you receive can start to affect your internal dialogue with yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's one thing I want to call out here too, is that these the, word, the, the tongue being powerful, you know, like enough to set a forest ablaze, enough to steer a big ship. It's also powerful within our own mind. Like, you, like we listen to ourselves more than we listen to anyone else. Yeah. And so what we say to ourselves about ourselves really matters too. And I, you know, I, I think that sometimes we, if, if we're used to being really negative with ourselves, that's going to come out in our, in our speech with other people. But if we're used to, I think, connecting with Jesus and responding to ourselves the way he responds to us, that will change the way we respond to others as well. I'm not sure I'm getting out what I'm trying to hear, but I'm just I, like I our think, speech yeah. internally matters yeah. too. Well, yeah, I think, um, so an example for me personally is I've always struggled with ADD and which leads to, you know, a lot of people who struggle with ADD also really battle this, this moniker of being lazy, Hmm. um, because there's just a, a deficiency in being able to isolate your focus. Like we just focus on everything all at once. And so that can be really overwhelming and, and all that. And so if I have a really focused, productive day where I just was able to see the next thing and do it, and um, often what accompanies that at the end of the day is, why can't you do that all the time? Hmm. Like internally. Internally. internally, yeah. And and sometimes externally. Sometimes from other people, they're kind of like, give a, it's about time, you know, or like, hmm. oh, finally you did this. And so this thing that could be this incredible, like just, victory and and encouragement is not only deflated of that encouragement but it gets used for evil so you know just like how god works all things together for good satan is working all things like towards evil like he wants to take so god will take dark things and use them in service of good satan will take good things and pervert them to cause discouragement and destruction right it's not neutral he doesn't just leave you with a lack of encouragement. He's going to use it to actually bring discouragement. So actually the the productive day it gets used and twisted as a reminder of like that I'm not normally like that, that I struggle to be like that. And I think and so that self that self talk, you know, and and the same thing goes with um man, I remember really struggling, you know, struggling with quiet times or whatever. And then you you have like you finally like spend this incredible time with God and then there'd be the talk of like, okay, but I gotta do that a lot more to make up for all that time. Like mm. that's a false gospel, right? Like yes. not delighting in the fact like what I should be doing is rejoicing of how God 
forgets those things in the past. Like he tosses it as far as from the east is from the west. And he is with me present in the moment and is rejoicing and is um, loving that, you know, I spent that time with him today. He's not holding on to things. And we project a lot of things onto God that are from our human relationships because people do that, right? Like it's the, um, I used this joke before, which I think is really funny, but it's also sad of like, uh, you know, a, a, a young man calls his mom and, um, you know, says, Hey mom, how, how are you doing? You sound a little weak. Like, how are you doing? She's, Oh, I'm not, not doing very well. Like I haven't eaten for 28 days. Mom, why haven't you eaten for 28 days? Well, I just didn't want my mouth to be full in case you called. Oh gosh. <laughs> And yet that, like, that explains so many of our inner dynamics with people. And, like, why, no wonder we hide from one another and hide from community. Because you just never know when those kinds of things are coming. And that is not how God speaks to us. No. God speaks directly to us, compassionately to us. He doesn't hide things. He doesn't say, like, oh, come to me. And then, like, okay, but now that you're here, like, now I'm going to pile on this guilt and this shame. He doesn't offer us grace and then and then insist that we are perfected by works. You know, Paul says that's foolishness. Like what in the world? Why would you think that that's the case? And and so I think like that's a really big deal um, about all of this is just I think you're right. Like that self-talk of just reminding ourselves of the gospel of how we are truly forgiven. Jesus doesn't hold some of that back just in case he needs to pull it out. Like, well, hey, remember. Like when, he, when we remember at communion, it's not Jesus saying like, remember what I did for you. And now like you've been acting like this, like, come on, shape up. Yep. It's not. It's remember what I did for you. That reminds you that I love you and that I will not forsake you and that I'm faithful to complete this work and everything I said I would do for you, I will do, like I will fulfill. That's the remembering. It's not a reminding, of, you know, the other way. And so I think, rem- yeah, that's all really critical. Um. I have one more question here Do it. as we wrap up. Yeah. Unless you have a thought about that, but no, I, I have a bunch of thoughts, but we'll share them. Well, I was just, I think that's a really important what you said about what does God's voice sound like? Like, and, and obviously the clearest example we have of that are the words that we can read on the pages of scripture, right? That's his word. We can take from that and learn from what he has written, like written for us so that we learn that voice inside, is that what he actually sounds like? And I think that's a really worthwhile question to ask. It's also a reason we need to be in community, though, with each other, because I need to be able to say to you, I think, is this what, is God saying this about this sin? Like, in let, I'm letting you into that. Um, and we can help each other discern, is that his voice or not? Because his voice, like you said, it's going to be clear, it's going to be direct, but it's never backhanded. It's not like, yeah, this has really been building and now I'm going to let you have it because it's the Festivus, you know, it's the day I'm going to air all my grievances. That's not the way he works with us. He delights in that, actually. I heard, uh, I think it was Dallas Willard said in one of his talks that forgiving us is a load off God's mind. (laughs) He's not like, he wants to do that. He's ready to do that. He is like primed for that. And and it brings him glory when he does it. But I, I don't know, I just, that was an important comment because I do think, we struggle with that. What does God sound like right now? And it's really a good question to ask because then it can help us examine. Like when I even, when I read even the words that are on the page of scripture, I have to assign tone. And what is the tone? Right. Right. Is it harsh, impatient, irritable? Never. 
He's and never Jesus, that, that way. Jesus paints pictures like the prodigal son. Yes. Like how much clearer, like you want to know tone, it's shown in the father running out to meet his son and immediately throwing a party. Not a not a single I told you so, not a single, because he already knows. Well, well, well. Yeah, look like, who's you know, back. Yeah, look who's back. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's just rejoicing. And the one that can't handle it is the older brother who doesn't understand the grace that has const that he's constantly lived under. He doesn't he hasn't seen it. And so it looks weird to him because it's not the world he's living in. And I think that's really critical. My big question to kind of end it then is is trying to be helpful. Like if we want to cultivate a culture, we have to realize it's our natural bent has been away from a lot of this. Like we just cultural sin, um, we talk about that a lot that you don't know the water you swim in. Like it's just, it just is the norm. And so we say things a lot of times and some of it is like, listen, there's, there are cultural things. Like there are things that I say to some friends that somebody else might hear that and go, well, that's, that was harsh. Like that was, a, but, but it's actually a, an affectionate thing. And so like, that's why it's not about like, well, Hey, don't, don't ever be ironic with somebody. Don't ever, you know, use sarcasm. Well, there is, there are relationships and there are dynamics where everyone kind of has their own speech patterns and things that communicate love. One thing I would say to be careful of though, is don't assume that that's what it's communicating. Like just because that's been the norm doesn't mean that that's actually how it's being received. So that's a, be careful. But the question would be, so if we're cultivating this culture, how do you, how do you gently confront somebody in your life who who has consistently you 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 see it like we always want to look first at ourselves so obviously the first thing is you know first remove the log from your own eye so immediately right before i even say like if you're thinking of somebody that you say man the, their harsh critical wor- words have really harmed me over the years or their grumbling and complaining has has been a discouragement um and I, and I just would lead it by saying, well, first you have to be willing to confront how your words have been received and where, where you have fallen in that. And so that, that would be like step number one. But assuming we're doing that, what would, how would you say to approach somebody who, let's say they have somebody in their life that is passive aggressive um, or does the backhanded compliment thing, or doesn't seem to be able to let things go and just says something's no big deal, but then just keeps, mm-hmm. keeps holding. How do you, how do you approach that person? Well, I, I love that your, your, your introduction to that was a lot of like, how do you get your heart ready? Because to me, that's like, makes all the difference in the world. If I approach someone and my main desire is to get even with my correct, like my, I, I want to, I want you to feel some of the pain that you caused me to feel. Well, that, that you're not ready to talk to that person yet. So I think that our heart needs to be ready. And I would say one of the main ways that God gets our heart ready is as we interact with him about the person and about that circumstance. So I think before we ever have the conversation, especially if this is something that's been going on for a while and you, you know about it, it's not a new thing. You, you need to start praying regularly for this person and for God's work in their heart and their life. And as you do that, I do believe that he is going to be shaping your heart to desire what he wants for them, right? And he's always going to want what's good. So then I think after you've done that, 
um, and your heart is ready and you might even weep over it. I, I had someone tell me early on in my walk with Jesus that you're not ready to rebuke until you've wept for the person. Hmm. And that's actually pretty, I think, profound counsel. But um, then your heart is ready to be gentle and to say, I, I don't know if you're aware but I just, I want to share something and I would share it as an observation and not a judgment. So, and the difference is an observation is this thing happened and it felt this way. I don't know why we have to assume, I don't know why exactly you did it. And often it's really easy, at least for me to assume, I know exactly why I can fill in the blank. This is why you did that. Cause you want me to feel this, or you don't like this about me. It might not be true. Right? So I would say you start with making an observation this happened. And, and I think something has to be specific for a person to understand it. Um, and then you have to entrust yourself to Jesus in that response because it might go well and it might not, if it doesn't go well, if it doesn't go well, then you continue what you've already been doing. You continue to pray for the person and that it's not over, right? It, that conversation can continue, but sometimes it takes people time to process like what they heard because it's not normal. Yeah. We're not in a place or no, actually the world isn't in general. No, um, less so What now. would you add or, or? Well, I think that was really good about preparing your heart. I would say if you're, yeah. So you mentioned if your aim is to inflict pain, that's mm. a immediate red flag. You are not ready. You have a giant log in your own eye that you need to remove before you're able to, um, and, and, and listen, I, as a parent, that is so common like when you're frustrated and you're just like, like how, think about how many times, like if, if there are parents that are out there listening, if you think about how many times has discipline been like retribution, you know, or vindictive where you're like, okay, you did this and ruined this thing. So now I'm going to take this thing away from you and ruin this thing for you. Um, it's dark, man. That, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not proactive. It's not actually helpful. So inflicting pain, I would also add to that if your desire is to, your aim is to fix them, Hmm. that's going to end up, everything's going to be okay until you realize they don't agree with you or they don't see it and it doesn't change it right there. Um, Or just to even be seen as right. Like any of those self-serving motives of like, I want to inflict pain, I want to fix you and I want to, or I want to be seen as right. um, Those are bad motivations those are things that you need to deal with in your heart and you need to, you need to be able to go to them saying, I just want to help them. And so when I think about that, I think of sometimes where people have approached me really well, like they're like, I've been fortunate. God has given me, um, several times, several examples to see, um, people coming to me and saying, Hey, and, and, and it's, it's that, like, I can tell they're not bringing this to me to inflict pain. They're not bringing it to me to like, they're not even bringing it to me with the attitude of it's all me. Like they're often, they're often sympathetic to like, man, I'm sensitive. I mentioned that in the sermon of being able to approach somebody and say, listen, I I fully acknowledge I may be sensitive to this in a way that's unique. A lot of times that happens with people who are, have unique circumstances, unique issues, you know, whether like in their past or whatever, and someone makes a joke about something that 99.9% of the people it's, it's detached, but for them it's not. And so like, just to be acknowledging like, Hey, this, I know this is kind of unique to me. Um, but, but the big thing, so that's all kind of rambling. Like the big thing is once your heart is in a place where you're saying, I, I actually want to serve this person by 
sharing this with them because I want to assume that their desire, I want to assume the best. I want to assume, like, let's just be really direct and personal here. Like if you do something that um, consistently kind of discourages me, I want to assume that what you want to do is to love me well and encourage me in our friendship. Mm-hmm. And and so Lauren and I talk about this with each other a lot of times saying like, hey, I just want to help you love me because I know your desire is to love me well. And so I just want to, I want to share this, like this is a way that you can, you can do that. I want to help you in that because I know it's your desire or I want you, um, uh, I want you to be, I know your desire is to be an encouragement. Like, I, I, I think that that's your desire. So you said, don't, don't guess their motives. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't ever project or guess bad motives, but I think it's okay to assume good motives and assume and until they prove you wrong. Like if you, like if you were going around the office giving backhanded compliments, I might say something to you like, Hey, I, I assume like you're, you want to encourage people with that. Like, I think what you were wanting to do was, was encourage this person by saying this thing. But when you, when, when you do this other thing and you slip that in, it kind of, you know, it can actually act against what I, what I think you're wanting to do. Like, I think you want that person to feel encouraged. That might reveal a lot of things. It might reveal a person that says, man, I, I just have been so in the habit of doing that. That's all I've ever heard. And so I just do that. Yeah. I didn't realize, like, I didn't even realize I was doing it, you know, or I didn't, or, or they might say, well, I just don't want them to get a big ego. So I just, well, okay, well now, now I don't need to assume, like you just told me what your motives are and Mm -hmm. then then I can deal with that. But there's so much grace given and given people, giving people the benefit of the doubt listening to people with a good faith hearing, especially our brothers and sisters. Like, I just can't stress that enough. Like give people the benefit of the doubt when it comes to their motivations and their heart behind it. Assume the best in what they're saying. Hear the best version of it, like a good faith hearing. Don't, you know, and we joke about this in the office. Like we all know that I have the spiritual gift of taking something like little in the thing and twisting it. And we do it for humor. Now, if it's not humorous to other people, then I need to hold that in check. I find it to just be a funny bit. And like with you and Robbie over the years, like it's been a funny bit. I don't do that with everyone though, because there are people who are like, oh no, I hope that's like not what he thought I meant by that. So there's a way of doing that, but a genuine good faith hearing of somebody like I, I assume what you wanted to do is encourage me. And a lot of times, honestly, like if we just do that, then a lot of this doesn't even have to, doesn't even end up being confronted because you're like, ah, yeah, I mean, they say that in that way, but I know, I know what they meant. Like, I know it was encouraging, but if you see them doing that to other people and you start to see it's affecting those, then that's when you might go to them and say, I, I assume this. So that's a really long winded way of saying, go in with a heart that seeks to serve that person, expecting that they may be defend, like you said, it may not go well at first. People need time to process. But just sharing an observation and and assuming motives, saying, like, I think, I think you want to be received. I've done that in coaching all the time. When you talk to like captains or leaders on the team who are it's a really common thing in sports, f- especially for young people, to lead through negativity. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I literally just said this, like I was helping, you know, coach 
the soccer team. And I said to one of the guys who was like doing that and just said, Hey, I, I would encourage you tell them, tell them what you want to see them do next time. Don't yell at them for what they didn't do last time. So that's just like an example of, I think like what you're seeing is important and you notice something and it's really beneficial to the team for you to be able to share that. And I think your desire in it is that you want that person to get better. Like, I think that's what your, like, that's what your motivation is. So if that's your desire, here's a way to, to do that. Um, and if you receive from, from the kid, well, no, I just wanted them to know that what they did was stupid. Okay. Well, that's a different issue now. Like that's, you've got a, a serious heart issue here. <laughs> like we got to deal with that and say like, is that really helpful? Um, but so often, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons just to like my last thought on that, that's one of the reasons why we're so defensive is because it is embarrassing. I can say that like my predominant emotion when I joke with somebody and they don't take it as a joke and it hurts them, my predominant emotion is embarrassment. Hmm. I'm embarrassed that they took it that way and that I caused them harm. And now that can lead to defensiveness. It can lead to all kinds of other things, but at its core, I just feel crummy that I made them and I feel embarrassed that it now, it just, I don't know how to explain it. It just, it just feels that way. And if somebody says to me, Hey man, I know you didn't mean, I know that you were just trying to make it, you know, you're just trying to lighten the mood and I love your sense of humor and I love like that you make people laugh and that's usually, but this is, this is just something that is sensitive to me. When people have said that to me, man, I so appreciate how they brought that to me because it makes me feel loved, you know, and it, and it that definitely is know, an act of love. It is, it is. Cause it's scary to bring things up. And that's what I hope, like, as we kind of wrap this up and I know like I've been, I, I do feel like this is one of those podcasts where I'm like, this is a whole second sermon because I just felt like there's so much I'm, I touched on it at the very end, but I do want to make it really clear we want to be a culture that not only encourages like th- this taming of the tongue from from a new heart, but we want to be a culture that then receives criticism well. That's a big part of it's it's this two way street. So it's not just about saying, "Hey, don't make a big deal about these things," or "Don't be offended," or "Don't like we like." The whole point is we want to shed light on things, and so I always want to take the time to make sure people understand that if if things are brought to the elders, people are going to be met with hearing and listen, you know, be people who are quick to listen and to understand not defensiveness, not protection of how, you know, you know, we've done things or whatever. And I just, we want to cultivate that kind of culture of people who are gentle in how we approach things and assuming the best, but also gentle in how we receive things and, and receiving it with, with the best intentions too, because it's not just about sharing something and assuming somebody's intentions, but when they share it with you, do you assume their best intentions or do you think that they're just attacking you? Or do you think that they're just trying to, you know, whatever the case is, we just want to be a culture that go again, goes back to being direct and honest and humble and really dependent on Christ in all of those ways. And if we are like, imagine how unique it would be. Like this isn't anything new. James brings this up. He brought it up in James four. We're going to see similar things. 
but like it's the human condition all cultures like james could have just been talking to us today and this was written you know 2000 years ago and he is talking about like he like he's been sitting in on all of our conversations there's a reason for that and so the people of god who are transformed and function as citizens of the kingdom will look different people will notice that that we are not a people who gossips and slanders that we're a people who defend others that are that are slow to um they're quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry people who don't jump on bandwagons of piling on people or piling on gossip or um twisting things or whatever but that we are open to reason and gentle and um like it just just imagine like what that would be like especially in a community like ours if we were if if that's what people said about us um you know if that was our reputation of man those those christians are they listen and they don't they do not get riled up about things they really seek to understand people and to serve and to help and i mean i think it'd be pretty incredible yeah i agree it just strikes me that to the degree to which we are finding sufficiency in christ for everything we need and security in him is the the degree to which we will be able to do this you know like cuz it's it's only when I'm like actually at home in him that I have the freedom to look at myself, my liabilities, you know, and like, it's, mm. the, it's the thick gospel, right? Like it's because I'm okay in him, I can actually look at that stuff and not feel I need to deflect. And I can do, I could do the same for other people, you know, and, and if I'm totally insecure in myself and who I am not found in Jesus. I don't see how I'll ever accomplish that. I, I guess that's another way of saying that picture you just painted and what James is painting in this passage of us being a totally different like kingdom, a totally different way is what we would expect as we find ourselves more and more rooted in Jesus. And it's, I don't see how it would ever happen without him. Like I don't, I, I no. think other than some sort of uh, attempt at a b- modifying behavior um, apart from a radical heart change, like he says, the human cannot tame the tongue. We're not able to. No, it's only by being made new. And like you said earlier, being in community to help each other in a loving way, encourage one another to be who God has called us and created us to be. And that's our desire to walk with you through that. We don't want to just fill our head with like knowledge about what James three says but also we want to live that out and we want to do that encouraging one another all the more um even as the day approaches so we want to help you if you if you are not connected in that kind of community um you need to be and we want to help you do that so let us know you can email us at connect at faithpestigo.com talk to us on a sunday or give us a call we appreciate your time listening today. We hope it's been helpful until next time. Grace and peace.